Today, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 4, titled Chloramphenicol. Chloramphenicol. That's the name of it. I feel like they should have come up with literally anything else to name this episode, but whatever. That's just my own personal input. Uh, Also, I'd just like to say... Uh, this episode feels like a real error. <laughs> For those of you who are new to the program, I make that joke every time a 404 shows up with one of the shows I talk about, and it's never not funny to me. Error. <laughs> 404. It's an error. <laughs> oh, I'm way too proud of myself. Anyway, all joking aside, this is a really good episode. Uh, there is some really great stuff going on here. Uh, of course, vast majority of this episode focuses on Philip and Elizabeth in quarantine, as was teased at the end of last episode uh, with William and Gabriel, uh, because they've been exposed to the Glanders virus and may or may not be infected. We don't know. And the the entire episode becomes this, like, ball of tension very quickly of, like, do they have it? Do they not? Is, are, are they going to contract this illness or not? Like, they're just sort of trapped in this apartment, not knowing if they're going to live or die. And every single second, like, certain things happen, and you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, eh, eh, do they have it, do they not, do they have it, do they not? Uh, At one point, Elizabeth starts to contract some symptoms. Uh, She gets a bit nauseous. She starts puking everywhere. And you don't know, like, maybe this is a bad reaction to the antibiotic, or maybe it's glanders. Like, it's... It's this really tense experience when you're trying to figure out, do they have glanders, or do they not? Are they gonna die, or are they not? And you just don't know. You're not sure which direction this will end up taking. Uh, And in the middle of it, they do have these tender moments. Uh, I love the opening sequence uh, where Elizabeth is on the phone. Uh, First off, she calls off the hit on Pastor Tim and Alice, which, smart, because the whole point of them going to Epcot was they wouldn't get blamed. More on that later, by the way. And then she calls Paige and is like, okay, you need to tell Henry uh, that we are going to be gone that uh, we have to work, uh, everything's fine, no one has deadly illnesses here, okay, bye. And, and Paige, not reacting well to this, like, she is very scared, she is absolutely terrified about what this could mean. Uh, she thinks whatever's going on is her fault because of the whole Pastor Tim and Alice thing, that, like, oh, maybe they told somebody. Again, more on that later. And then she hangs up the phone, and William has to go in there, like, cut the telephone cord, wipe off the 
the receiver deal, bag up the phone itself, and then just walk away. And there's like these little moments between the characters where sort of these small things come up. Uh, at one point, Philip and Elizabeth are talking about their son's biology test and like kind of stressing about that sort of to pass the time. And William's like, you're, you're worried about your son's biology test? What the hell? <laughs> and I love this one moment between Philip and William where William's d- just talking about how lucky Philip is. Like, he's got a wife. He's got two kids. Like, he has, like, the ideal life of Russian spy. Like, he can come home to someone and talk about it. Like, he has people who care about him. Unlike William, who's basically living the hermit life. <laughs> just, like, in an apartment by himself. No friends, no anyone. And... Philip's like, yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, we kind of effed up our daughter. Uh, things are hard right now. Uh, he tells the whole story about how they told Paige. And William's just like, huh. Uh, but there's just little great moments like this. Uh, Elizabeth remembers a time where uh, she was taking care of her mother when she was sick. And, and then was like, I gotta... I gotta call Paige. And, like, there's just small little moments like this that are really, really impactful in the context of everyone here could quite possibly die. Meanwhile, at home, Paige is freaking out. Uh, Henry gets a ride to school from Stan, and Stan comes over to the Jennings household And, of course, this is an FBI agent in the household of two Russian spies. And Paige is not accustomed to how stupid Stan can be. So she's just having basically season one Philip and Elizabeth reactions of, Oh, crap! He knows! (laughs) He knows! She's just having that season one freakout reaction of, Okay, uh, everything's fine here. It's all good. I don't need to ride to school. I can take the bus. My parents aren't Russian spies. Okay, okay, have fun driving, Henry. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you got that happening. Uh, and of course, this all works out well in the end. Turns out Elizabeth was having a bad reaction. Uh, Gabriel becomes no longer contagious, and Philip and William never had anything at all. So, everyone goes home happy. Uh, they're kind of, like, out of the woods, so to speak. And everything's just sort of calming down. They go home. Uh, they have a fun time. They go bowling, which is cool. It's a nice, fun scene. Uh, I love this moment where Elizabeth is just, like, killing (laughs) bowling (laughs) like she's getting like five or six strikes in a row and then she goes over to Paige and Paige is like was did they train you to bowl like that and Elizabeth like went full Russian accent and was like it's an important part of training I didn't even attempt the uh, the Russian accent it's it's a vital part of 
that more is that's more Transylvanian. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. <laughs> I feel as a bit of a vampire. <laughs> oh my god! If, if Carrie Russell starred in some vampire movie, I would absolutely watch that. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, uh, Carrie Russell, if you're listening to this, uh, if a vampire script comes your way, say yes. That would be pretty cool to see. <laughs> I would enjoy that very much. Uh, also, Elizabeth finally comes to her senses and is like, yeah, uh, if we kill Pastor Tim, it doesn't matter how discreet we are about it, it would destroy Paige. So, yeah, not doing that. And they go up to Gabriel and are like, okay, now we want to work them. And Gabriel's like, okay, I guess I can kind of sell the center on that in some way. It's fine. Just do that. Because in the midst of all this, she kind of has, like, time to think more clearly. She has time to put stuff in perspective. She has time to digest the situation in a way she hasn't allowed herself to up until this point. And she's like... Actually, no, this is the dumbest thing we could possibly do. Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's not be idiots. Uh, meanwhile, so we got some stuff happening on the Martha front. So Stan and Adderholt kind of launched this uh, little operation where Adderholt asks Martha out to dinner. And she accepts. Although is freaking out about it and leaving voice messages to Clark, quote unquote, uh, that he's not getting because he is possibly dying. Uh, <laughs> and they go out to dinner and they're having a conversation. And Martha handling this dinner like a pro. She is responding to questions with answers that like are kind of correct, but not entirely. Like, at one point, Adderholt asks her if she's seeing anyone, and she says, yes, he's married. And she's, like, talking about how, like, it's a mature, honest relationship, uh, and they're discreet and all this stuff. Like, all this, like, half-truth. Like, technically what she's saying is accurate, but there are some small gaps where it's just like, stretching the truth a bit, uh, she, like, handles it like a pro. Like, she's kind of become the master of the half-truth. And meanwhile, while this is happening, Stan is going into her empty apartment and searching everything. And he finds the gun she got. And the book of sex positions that she and Clark have been using. And it's like, well, okay. That's a thing. And then leaves. So Stan, like, getting so, so close to the truth about Martha. He has no idea how close he is. Just a just tiny bit. Tiny bit more to go for him to get the full story there. Uh, meanwhile, we got some stuff happening in Russia on the Nina front. Uh, so Oleg went back home for a little bit. Uh, to sort of be with his family after his brother died. As you do. 
And Oleg basically takes this opportunity to say, like, hey, what's going on with Nina? And his father's like, okay, look, I, I can't, I, I couldn't help her. There's only so much I can do. Uh, she's not dead, I can tell you that. They would have told me if they if they killed her, but I don't know. Uh, and then Oleg's like, well, find out, asshole. <laughs> and he comes back and is like, okay, so uh, she sort of tampered with this uh, secret project in some way and made things work worse for herself. So, again, not much I can do for her. But I, I could try to help her if... You come home permanently and end your tour in America. And Oleg kind of hesitant to this at first. Like, initially, when... When his father brought it up originally, he was like, like, no, I'm going back to America. I'm finishing my tour. But then, he dangled Nina in front of him. And Oleg's now like, okay, if you do this, I'll come back home. Not long after this deal is made, uh, we get the ending, which, oh boy, the ending. So, Nina is having a dream about being free. Uh, she has a dream that both her and Anton Baklanoff are released. Uh, they can go away, and they walk out, and then she wakes up, and she's like, uh, well, my life still sucks. Then some guards come in, and they're like, okay, we're, we're transferring you. And so Nina's transferred, quote-unquote. Now, what they mean by transferred is... They're taking her to face a Soviet official who will now tell her that her appeal is denied. And she is now facing execution. By the way, that execution's happening right now. And there is like this two, maybe three second period where Nina sort of has a chance to let this sink in. And it's just like freaking out like, no, no, like... I don't want to die. And then, before she can really continue on that train, before she can really do anything to help herself, she is shot in the head and left on the floor bleeding and then carried away. Just like that. All of this, everything she's done, everything she tried to do since being put in prison, uh, the good she tried to do for Anton Baklanoff, all of that done. Uh, she did something, she did multiple somethings that the Soviet Union was not okay with, and for that, she got, like, this split second of, like, hey, you're gonna die, now you're dead. And, like... She didn't even have time to react all that much. Like, she just started to become hysterical 
as one does when they are told they are going to die and then immediately shot in the head. In such an unceremonious way. I remember when I was watching this for the first time, like, I... I sort of had the same roller coaster of emotions that Nina had. Like, I was happy during the dream. Then kind of like, oh, damn it. Like, kind of disappointed when it turned out to be a dream. And then I was like, okay, she's being transferred. What's happening here? And then... And then that official saying, your appeal's been denied... Uh, you're being executed right now. Having that three minutes of like, no, 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 she's got to get out of this. Uh, she's got to do something, literally anything. Uh, sort of that frenzy of thoughts that I can only imagine uh, Nina was having in that moment. And then that unceremonious shooting in the head. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, I couldn't fathom this. I, I couldn't fathom what was happening right now because like they just killed off a major major character someone who has been there since season one since the very beginning and killed her off in the most unceremonious way with like no fanfare at all it just happened like, and I was just, I just sat there stunned for a couple minutes and was just like, oh my god, that was brilliant. Like, that was so perfectly handled. Uh, that final scene with Nina is incredible. Uh, and I gotta praise the actress who plays her, whose name I am stupidly forgetting, uh, because I am the worst person hold on i am bringing it up uh annette mahendru apologies if i'm mispronouncing her name uh she was perfect in this scene she did an amazing amazing job in this final moment of nina's life uh she did a great job throughout the entire series uh so yeah we are now saying goodbye to Nina. Nina is officially dead. R.I.P. So now, uh, starting tomorrow, we will be tackling some Nina-less Americans. Yay. Excuse me if I'm not enthusiastic about uh, a really, really underrated character. Uh, being killed off so suddenly. <laughs> it really was mind-blowing to witness. And this is just like the first of 15 billion incredible mind-blowing things that happen in this season. Just to make it one of my favorites of the entire show. So, we will continue this over the next couple weeks. Because there is so much more bombshells like this to come. Uh, if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button 
on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time, if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5. Talk to you then.